Good morning. Uh, lovely to see you all this morning. Um, cold um, this morning, kind of. Uh, maybe I don't know if it caught you by surprise, but it certainly caught me by surprise as I left the house uh, this morning. And we begin uh, with a welcome. Um, if you're joining us for the first time, whether you're here in person or indeed um, online, we bid you uh, a warm welcome. Um, we join today with the uh, first from Psalm 46. Uh, it's a fairly well-known psalm if you've been uh, about church uh, for a while. Um, and it says this, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, a holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are an uproar, kingdoms fall, but he lifts, his earth, he lifts his voice and the earth melts away. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. With that promise, uh, we come collectively gathered together as a community today uh, to give our praise and our worship to the Lord. So let us pray. Indeed, as we gather at this time of illness and infection, of isolation, of fear, and of uncertainty. We're mindful of those who are sick or weighed down by pain, those in distress or with loneliness and anxiety. We're mindful of those who care for them, conscious of the risks that they might bear. To all who have responsibility for public health or social order, we pray that the cry of the afflicted might be heard and that they may be comforted so that all who suffer may come to know that they are joined to the sufferings of Christ who gave us life for the salvation of the world. And so, Lord, by your blessing on them and those who care for them, may they be restored according to your will, the soundness of body, mind, and spirit, and offer them joyful thanks in this, your church. In your name, amen. Amen. So we hear our reading today. How wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head, that ran down his beard and onto the border of his robe. Harmony is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of, Z mountains of Zion. And there the Lord has pronounced his blessing, even life everlasting. O oh, praise the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord, you who serve at night in the house of the Lord, lift your hands towards this sanctuary and praise the Lord. May the Lord who made heaven and earth bless you from Jerusalem. Yes, thank you to Jessica and Lucia uh, for reading that uh, for us today. The wonders of modern technology, that they're reading it as they walk out uh, of the building at the same time. Uh, but it's wonderful um, to have so much involvement in our service. Um, so today is the last in this series, The Journey, as we've journeyed through the Psalms of Ascent. Psalms of Ascent being uh, those songs that the nation of Israel sang on their way to Jerusalem on their pilgrimage um, every year. We described them early on in this series as the dog-eared songbook um, of the nation of Israel, the songs that they would have really known that would have abided in them, that would have been a part of their story, part of their uh, culture, a part of who they are. Songs that they passed on 
to the next generation. Songs are told of the faithfulness uh, of God in the past, calling that um, into the present. Um, during this series, we've asked uh, lots of questions like, what abides in you? What is the thing that kind of marks you out, that sets you apart uh, from other people? Eugene Peterson describes these psalms of ascent as a long obedience in the same direction. Uh, we've used that phrase over and over again intentionally because actually it sets something out. It sets something in us as well, doesn't it? A long obedience in the same direction. It's not always going to be easy, but it is key to be obedient. We, we've phrased the question, what captures your gaze? Because um, throughout this, we've uh, the Psalms have asked that quite, or told us to lift up our eyes to the hills. But what captures your gaze? What, what stops you in your tracks? What moment causes you to go, wow, in awe and wonder? It takes your breath away and sets you apart and makes you think about the glory of God. We've urged that uh, his presence should become um, our desire. Whenever that happens, things begin to look up or perspective changes because we call his past faithfulness into our present situation. It's not just about telling stories. It's about calling the past faithfulness of God into your present. So we have something to stand on and recount and know that the God who helped then is the same God today, yesterday, today, and forever. And that gives us hope. Hope that this is not all that there is. Hope that unless the Lord builds the house, everything else is in vain. But whenever he does build it, things can be put right. That even in the depths of our lives, he is present. We can see that sometimes actually in our darkest moment, God does some of his best work. Those are the moments that we call out to him and receive from him. And last week, we touched on being steadfast, resolute, firm in our journey. So as we look at these last two psalms, let's just pray uh, before we come to them. Father God, thank you that you are indeed present with us, but more than that, that your word would speak alive and afresh and anew to us this morning. A word which is indeed living and active. Whisper softly or shout loudly, Lord. When we leave here, not just built up with more knowledge of you, but when we leave here transformed by the power of your Spirit, living out our lives for you. In your name, amen. Now we've posed lots of questions um, all the way through this series, um, and often that's exactly what series do, isn't it? They pose, or the scripture does, it poses questions uh, to us. It makes us ask questions um, of ourselves and of the situations that we find ourselves in. Uh, so the question I want to pose at the outset um, today is this. What does it mean to belong to a church? What does it mean to belong to a church? Well, there's, in one sense, there's lots of different ways that you can answer that, and each one of us individually may answer that in a slightly different way. Um, sometimes different denominations will answer that, in different ways um, as well. Mm, my name's on a list somewhere. I have free will offering envelopes and I contribute to the church. I have given my life to Jesus Christ and I'm a believer. 
I've been baptized and confirmed. You may have ticked some of those off in your head as I said them as, oh yes, that is how I would distinguish what it means to belong to a church. And every denomination in one sense will say that slightly differently as well, but what if we've been asking the wrong question? What if real, the real question we should be asking is, what does it mean to belong to the church? Not a church. Because the church is the body of believers, the community of faith that Christ set out to be his presence on this earth. So what does it mean to belong to the church? Now, biblically, in a sense, that's a quite a simple answer. Whenever you accept Christ as Savior and Lord, then you become a member of the church. You're adopted into his family. Those are not the words of a preacher today. Those are the words that's in the Scriptures. Those are some of Jesus' own words. That whenever we trust him and follow him, we are adopted into his family. We become a son uh, or a daughter, an heir and a co-heir with Jesus Christ, as Paul says in Romans. And actually, whenever you become a believer, whenever you become a Christian, you're a member of the church, whether you like it or not. That might seem like a strange thing to actually say. But in the culture and the generation that we live in, there are people who have given their life to Jesus but say, I want nothing to do with the church. I can do this journey of faith all on my own. I would contend against that from a biblical perspective because we are called not, we're called to tarry with each other. We are called to do this journey of faith together. We are not we are called into relationship with one another. We are called to not give up meeting together, as it says in the Scriptures, are, as some are in the habit of doing. And being a member of the church isn't always an easy thing. I posed this before to take a look around you. Now, if you're in person, you can do that. You can actually take a look around this morning at other people sitting around you. If you're at home, you can take a look around um, your living room. Maybe there are other people sitting there. And that will be slightly different uh, for you in this moment. But if you imagine those faces, those names of people who belong to the church with you, we wouldn't always choose to be with those people. Because we choose naturally and normally to be with people who we like, people who have the same hobbies as us, people who are maybe of a similar age group as us, people who have worked in a similar place, people who have a similar outlook on life. But yet as we look around the church, it's a, it's a real mix of people, aren't we? We are a real mix of, of people, of personalities, of temperaments, of ages, and that's the beauty of the church. But we are called to tie together in this. We are called to do this journey of faith together because we can learn from one another. Because we come with a singular purpose and moment of unity, which is praise and worship of our Savior. And that's the unifying point for us. 
And all those other differences, in a sense, become a little bit mute at that point. But that's what makes the church beautiful. And actually, Psalm 133, verse 1, speaks into this because it says, how good and pleasant it is whenever brothers and sisters live together in unity. How good and pleasant it is whenever brothers and sisters live in unity. Like precious oil poured on the head, running down the beard, running down the, uh, on Aaron's beard, running along the collar of his robes. The symbolism there is that anointing of the oil upon the head. So much, in a sense, that it's completely overflowing and running uh, down his face and onto his beard and then dripping off his beard and onto his robe. He is completely covered in this anointing because he is in unity with the people who have the same purpose as him. Because that's where our strength is as the church. The Apostle Paul talks about that in Corinthians, doesn't he? How can an eye say that it's a foot or a foot say that it's a hand? Do not all parts of the body function together for one purpose, yet are distinctly different? And that's us. So, effectively, this means that we do life together. The good, uh, it's easy to do the good together. But whenever we do life together, we do the good, the bad, and the ugly together. The ugly there is a reference to the difficulties in life, not to my faith, okay? Um, but we do the good, the bad, and the ugly together. We celebrate those moments of blessing and of height in people's lives, those highs. We celebrate with them. We journey in the bad moments of illness or of grief with people. And because we have a unity of purpose, we work out the ugliness in our relationships with each other. Because we've been called to do that. And so doing life together means we do the good, the bad, and the ugly. We're in this for the long haul. It's a long obedience in the same direction. And then in that moment, this question of what does it mean to be a member of the church morphs a little bit into more of a question of how am I going to do life in this community of faith? We're joined together by what Christ has done for us. For you and for I. His cross, a strong symbol behind. A strong, strong symbol of suffering and of death, but paradoxically of life and of hope. And can I urge you, if you've never come to that point of giving your life to Jesus Christ, of recognizing your need for him, and you're still trying to do this life all on your own, in your own strength, then maybe today is the day for you, recognizing that Jesus has died for you, that he is calling you into a life of fullness under him, that today would be the day that you surrender to him. 
Or maybe you have already done that. For you, maybe today is the day that you surrender again to him. That you recognize your need to be drawn closer to him in this journey of faith. Because an important element in this journey of faith is how we do this together. Because that's what speaks out to the world around us. Isn't it? In fact, the words of Jesus were, by your love they will know you. And in this moment we get a glimpse of heaven. A glimpse of worship. A glimpse of praise. Whenever we worship, we see things differently. We, we, we touched on that um, just under a year ago about what it, meant, what it means to worship with all of our lives, not just the singing of songs. We see everything differently. So we need to be careful who or what it is that we worship. We're only just the Psalm 134 today. A short psalm, but a very powerful psalm. Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, you who minister by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. May the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, bless you from Zion. That's a real call to worship. Praise the Lord. Now, it's really important to note at this point, as we conclude this series on the Psalms of Ascent, and think back to the first one that we looked at, Psalm 120. And we started, we started this, Psalms of Ascent, in this series by saying, this is a, Psalm 120 is a bit of a strange psalm. A bit of a strange place to start a pilgrimage. Uh, a place where everybody's gathered together to sing songs. But psalm 120 was all about repentance. It was a call to repentance. And so as the nation of Israel gathered together, the first thing that they'd done was they called each other to repentance. And then they journeyed, singing those songs of God's faithfulness, of his promises, of the fact that they're in the depths, but he is still present, that he, that he is their hope, and so forth. Right the way through to the point where now they sing, praise the Lord. Because the journey starts at repentance, and it finishes in the moment of worship and of praise. That's the pinnacle of our journey of faith. Now, At this point, you might even say man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's worship, isn't it? Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who minister by night in the house. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary. And so we get to this pinnacle, this point where in Psalm 134, um, it says that the Lord is going to bless us. May the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, bless you from Zion. And because the Lord blesses us, we in turn bless him by giving back all of ourselves in worship to him. And so we need to rise to this challenge that this journey throws up. For we are sure that we don't do this alone. We do it together and under God. The journey may not be easy. It may not be short. 
but a journey with the Lord is always worthwhile, essential, and life-giving. Let's pray together. So, Father, as we consider what it is that you have done for us, as we consider this move from repentance all the way through to worship and praise, we take a moment in the silence to reflect on our own journey with you. To put down a marker in that journey and to honestly and frankly say where we believe we are with ourselves in that journey. Knowing that we don't reach the end, that there is always more with you as we strive and stretch forward. May we see you more clearly. May we love you more dearly. And as we stretch forward in our journey with you and indeed with each other, may we grow, may we put down roots, may we leave aside the the milk and the feed of the infants and begin to step forward into those solid foods that allow us to grow into the fullness of who you have us to be individually and corporately as the church of God in this place. Um, let's just finish with the colleague for today, which is Advent um, Sunday. Um, Almighty God, give us grace to cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Now in the time of this mortal life in which your Son, Jesus Christ, came to us in great humility, in the last day when he shall come again in his glorious majesty, and judge the living and the dead, may rise to the life immortal through him who is alive and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, rest upon each one of us this day and forevermore. Amen. Amen.